Well, hey, we're actually wrapping up a series this morning, but if you've not been a part of uh, any of the previous messages, or only a few of them, don't worry. It's not that one is going to hinge on the rest. Uh, but today really kind of ties together uh, everything that we've been talking about. So this series has been called uh, The Way of Jesus the way of Jesus. And we've looked at things, uh, the different pastors that have preached and shared uh, through these last several weeks, we talked about the humility of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the power and authority of Jesus, the ministry and mission of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Nate brought it in uh, last week uh, with the sacrifice of Jesus. And, and the whole premise we've been working on is that we read in the Gospels, you, you know, Jesus modeled this picture for us of who he was but then also of who we are to be because we belong to him. Amen? So, so with that, uh, we're going to, you know, tie that all in uh, this morning in what we get to. But this is Resurrection Sunday morning. This is the morning where we focus on, man, all, all, of, all of history hinged on what happened during this week. 2,000 years ago, what Jesus did on the cross did for us what we absolutely on our best day could not have done for ourselves, paid the price for our sin so that we could be reconciled back to God. And he didn't just bear our sin, he didn't just pay our debt, he didn't just die our death, but then three days later he rose again. The tomb is empty because Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The week, this, this week, 2,000 years ago, started with uh, Jesus the Lamb slain from the foundations of the earth to Jesus the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming back. The word tells us to keep an eye on the sky because he's coming back for us. We read in, in Matthew 28, it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Amen. And he said, then go quickly and tell his disciples. Go quickly and tell his disciples. His disciples. The way of Jesus. We're, we're going to lean right back into that, that thought. His disciples in just a second. He says, go and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And so this morning as we look at in, uh, we're, we're going to look at an overarching thing that relates to the way of Jesus. Uh, as we glean from the Gospels. And, and again, if, if you're one that's filling in notes and following in the note sheets, we got the, the first main point that we need to get a hold of here today. Jesus died and rose again not to give us a religion, but to give us a relationship. Oh, how many need to be reminded of that sometimes? Right, we just got to break down the religion. We got to shake it off. It's all always got to go back to it's a relationship. Jesus didn't die to give us some external system, but he died so that our relationship could be made right with the Father through him. 
Jesus died and rose again not to give us a religion, but to restore a relationship. And so to walk out the way of Jesus, we want to lean in this week now, looking at the disciples uh, through the, the earthly ministry of Jesus. The way of Jesus' church is the way with Jesus. The way of Jesus we want to walk out his way and know his way and understand what that means for us as believers. We don't walk for Jesus. We walk with Jesus. Amen? Church, that might sound so simple, but I tell you what, it's game-changing stuff when we live it out. And you want to know what? Things cool off and things dim and things lose their power when we move away from this truth. When I'm doing for Jesus instead of with Jesus, I start to dry up. I start to lose uh, what the Lord intended for everything to be. And we see this so beautifully illustrated, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This is talking now about the Pharisees and they're threatening and rebuking the disciples after Jesus rose from the dead. And it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, so they're, they're not, you know, Pharisees like us. They're not experts in the law like us. They're not, you know, highfalutin, high society folks. It says when they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And then this, listen to what it says. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, it wasn't what they knew about him. It was that they were living with him that changed everything. Right? We can know all about God. It doesn't mean that we're walking in the resurrection power that, that he has made available to us. So here it is, friends. The goal, the goal of life is to know him more and more. To just grow in our knowledge of him. We could spend our lives, if we somehow were able to put away every other responsibility we had in life and just spend our lives uh, knowing him, trying to know him, we could live a thousand lives and never begin to scratch the surface of knowing all there is to know about him. So just, just to drive this point home about knowing him, and, and man, we want to ask ourselves afresh and anew today, do I know him? Do I still know him? Am I still walking, pursuing him? Do we know him? Man, it is just, that is the epicenter of what our lives are to be all about. The goal is to know him. And you know, the Apostle Paul, he's such a great illustration of a guy who, he had religion down pat. I mean, he was elite among the, the religious, respected. It was his career. Uh, he was, you know, rock star, if I could use that as a modern-day picture. And, and literally, he got knocked off his high horse, and he got moved from, relation, or from religion into meeting God. He moved from religion into relationship with God. And Paul got it. He understood it. And, and there's what we read in Philippians 3, 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ. And by the way, that word know, that's not um, like knowing directions or knowing a menu. Uh, that, that word know uh, in, the, in the Greek language speaks of an intimate knowledge. It, it speaks of uh, something that's not surfacy. So he's really making it clear. I want to so deeply know Christ. And he says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. But notice what he says here too in knowing him and to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
So interesting, he says here, so if I'm going to know him, I get to experience the power of his resurrection. But the pathway to that, notice he didn't say the experience, the knowledge, the awareness. He uses the word fellowship. He wants to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, to be clear, these sufferings, these aren't bondage to sin. It isn't torment from the enemy. It isn't uh, sickness and poverty and lack. Uh, that, th- those, aren't, those aren't the sufferings. Jesus, in his atonement, redeemed us from those things. We're talking about the sufferings on the cross. And I'm going to un- unpack that and explain that a little bit more. But I want us to hear this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, hey, we're living in a day where the Lord is looking for his body where he is looking for the bride of Christ to shine for him, to just show the world who he is. And there's, there's this picture in the word of God that's woven all the way through. It's this seeming contradiction where, and it stands in the face of all of our culture. It says, in order to find life, you lose it. In order to have freedom, you surrender all to God and you find a freedom like you've never known. And the pathway, the doorway, is the cross. And Paul so understood that. He said, I want to know the, the power of his resurrection, but I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Because in all of that, ultimately, I want to know him. I want to walk with him. So let's talk first about getting on the path with Jesus. And then we're just going to share a few things that Jesus instructed us on how do we stay on the path with him. So first of all, getting on the path, I just want to use some points uh, from a, a book, True Discipleship by William McDonald. It's a book that goes back uh, a bunch of years, but just a, a bit of a modern, you know, classic on what is it to be a disciple of Christ? Uh, because that's really what we're talking about here. The way of Jesus is the way with Jesus. It is to be his disciples. So he says there's four things to get on the pathway with Christ for somebody to be born again. That's the phrase that's used in the Bible. Again, remember, Jesus doesn't give us a religion where we just follow an external rule of beliefs. There are beliefs, yes, but it begins with a relationship and Jesus is the door to that relationship. So number one, when a person realizes that he's sinful, lost, blind, and naked before God. When a person realizes, I'm sinful. You know, there's a, a picture that can be out in the world that good people go to heaven, bad people go to the other place. How many know there are good sinners and there are bad sinners? But the Bible says, nonetheless, apart from Christ, we're all sinners. Come on, can you say amen? So first realization for us to be on the path with Jesus, we need to realize that we're sinful and lost. Second is we have to acknowledge that we can't save ourselves by good character or good works. We can't work our way, earn our way into heaven. We can't do it on our own. And then third, when we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died as our substitution on the cross, that he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Now we're almost there but we're not all the way home. Realize that I'm a sinner. Realize I can't save myself. Realize Jesus is the Savior. There's an important next step, and it's number four. When by a definite decision of faith, we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior. The Bible says that we are born again. The Word of God tells us a miracle happens. That we who were dead to God become alive in Christ. 
And God comes to, to live and abide and dwell in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. What, what an incredible picture. Literally, now we're at a point. See, in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit would fall upon people. In the new covenant in Jesus, he indwells us. We walk with Jesus as his Holy Spirit lives in us. Can you say amen? amen? All right, so that's how we get on the path. And church, that's what we need to understand. So to get on the path with Jesus, there's always, it, it always has to start at the cross. It always has to start here where we recognize and understand it's what he did for us here. There's no other road that's going to get us there because we're not doing religion. We're realizing Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No other way to the Father but through him. And so here's now, now as we look at how do we stay on the path with Jesus. So we meet him at his cross. But then he tells us we are to carry a cross. And again, if you're following along, following along in the notes here, uh, just a handful of things here, about five things that, that will help us walk with Jesus each and every day of our lives. Number one is keeping a, a love for Jesus Christ absolutely supreme. Keeping our love for him absolutely supreme. How many know that love, we can feel love, but love is way more than what we feel? Right? Amen? Come on, wave at me if you know that to be true. Right? Sometimes, you know, you might not feel loving to your kids if they do something, your spouse, you know, some, you know a, a really good friend, right? But you realize, well, that's a feeling. And underneath that, there's a choice that I made uh, to, to be a person of love here. And so we are called by Jesus to live making the choice to keep our love for him supreme. It's really, really neat. I live my life, uh, I have, I could show it to you, I have a, a written mission statement for my life. You say, you're a geek. Okay, I am. But I have a written mission statement for my life. I've identified what are the, the, the most important values to me, and I've written those things down. I write down my priorities, and I write down my goals, and I evaluate these things on a regular basis. You say, well, why do you do that? Because life is so stinking distracting that if I'm not careful, I'm, I'm pursuing after things that, that matter for nothing. And so I constantly have to be brought back to priorities. And, and before there was, you know, Franklin Covey and time management and, and success seminars and all of this, a, a guy walked up to Jesus and said, all right, so what's the greatest commandment? And, and you have it in your notes. It's in, it's in Matthew. He said, to, to love the Lord your God, uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. He actually went on to say, and the second is like it, Lo love your neighbor as yourself. And, and as, as an Old Testament or as a, a, you know, New Testament gospel time Jew, they understood all of the totality of everything they were to do in their Judaism was summed up in the law and the prophets. And so that's why Jesus said, you can take everything about life that, that you want to know about what matters to God, what really matters in light of cosmic eternal perspective, and you can boil it down to love God and love people. Right? So Jesus says, hey, if you're going to follow the way of Jesus and you're going to walk with me, Jesus says, you need to keep your love for me supreme. Luke 14, 26 says, if you want to be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. 
by comparison, right? Your father, your mother, your children, your brothers and sisters, yet even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciples. What he's saying is there's a contrast here that our love for him should so outpace our love for everybody else that it seems as if the comparison between love and hate. And yet, man, isn't it so easy for us to let other affections get a hold of us? For us to start to have, you know, as a matter of fact, our world really teaches us self-love, you know, and what I mean by self-love as in supreme, you know, God has designed things where blessing and joy in our lives comes as a byproduct of trusting him to, to live the way he's called us to live. But when we make that the pursuit in and of itself, man, we're going to miss the mark every time. Come on, can you say Amen. Amen. So uh, self-love and, and the other loves that can get in the way of our lives uh, can, can trip us up from walking this path with Jesus every day. Uh, second, uh, that we are encouraged to deny ourselves and deliberately choose the cross. And so again, remember, we meet Jesus at the cross, uh, but it says in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you would want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. So again, there's a trust here. We have to say, all right, Lord, I'm trusting that my way is not going to be as good as your way. That it's not going to be as satisfying. That it's not going to be ultimately when it's all said and done, the path that I'm going to want to have chosen. So I'm going to choose your way. Now notice it talks about denying ourselves. Denying self is different than self-denial. Self-denial is like when there's a tub of ice cream in the fridge and I don't go back for seconds. You might be saying self-denial is when you don't go back for first. Mind your business, okay? It's my illustration, not yours, right? But denial of self is I step off the throne of my heart and I let Jesus step onto the throne. For all decisions, all direction for my life that I seek to be led by him alone. Now, to take up our cross, what does it mean here to take up our cross? I mentioned earlier, there's things that Jesus paid for on the cross that we're delivered from. We're, we're not supposed to take those things up, but what do we take up on the cross? Well, there's abuse and shame and persecution that the world will heap on you. It'll heap it on me because we say, I belong to Jesus. In fact, sometimes we don't even have to use words. Right, like the, the, the uh, early church father said, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. Come on, have you ever had people gnash their teeth at you? You haven't even said a word. You're just living, breathing, just going for Jesus. And it makes a testimony and people are hostile toward that. We need to recognize that's part of taking up the cross. Because the, de the decision the other way is to put it down and say, well, it's getting too hot. I'll just back off, right? But there's another part of taking up the cross too. And, and it's this idea of I'm going to put aside what I want first. I'm going to put aside living for what I want to pursue first and foremost at the expense of anything else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust and let him show me how my life should be lived and poured out. And then watch what God will do through our lives man, when we live in that place. Amen. There was a Christian businessman that was traveling with a group in Korea and he saw, get this picture, uh, this is a field 
uh, being worked on, and there's, there's a young man pulling a plow, a young man pulling the plow in the field while an old man is holding the handles. Just This is something that's supposed to have an animal attached to it to just pull it through the difficult ground and to, to bust up the ground. And the businessman, he's actually, you, you know, uh, typical, you know, Western, you, you know, um, not realizing what we have kind of an attitude. He's amused by the picture. And he takes a picture of the scene and he says, I suppose these people are very poor. Now, he said this to their tour guide uh, who was leading their party. This was a missionary as well. And, and, and he, the missionary responded, yes, uh, these men happen to be Christians as well as poor. And when their church was being built, they were so eager to give, but they had no money. And so they decided to sell their one and only ox and give the proceeds to their church. That's why they're pulling the plow themselves. So they get in this picture, the, the toil of what they're going through. And again, the, the, the businessman, his first reaction is, those poor, sorry people. You know, and he said, oh, it must be so hard on them. And the missionary responded, and he said, no, actually, they found this to be an incredible blessing. They rejoiced, and they celebrated with everybody around them because they, they had an ox to sell so that the church could be built. See, see that's, that's when, when there's been a, a, a heaven concept in our thinking. Now, when we look at the sacrifice, we're not looking at it and saying, but I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. It might hurt. It might be uncomfortable. It might be scary. We move away from all of that and we say, I'm doing what God has called me to do. I wonder what this is going to look like in his hands. Amen? Amen? Come on, how many have seen the movie Schindler's List? Right? Isn't the, the most gut-wrenching, stir-your-heart-to-live-your-life-on-purpose to moment is at the end when there's no more chance to sacrifice, no more chance to surrender our will to God's will? You know, and he's saying, if I would have paid a little more, I, I don't want to re-preach uh, Pastor Nate last week on sacrifice, th this whole picture of if I would have laid my life down a little more, what would God have been able to do? And so, so we, we don't want to be in this, um, this works condemnation kind of a mindset. The picture I'm trying to paint is, wow, when we really surrender it all over to him, we, we see the sacrifice as an opportunity. Right. Amen? Amen? That's why it says in the word, you know, again, talking on giving, whatever it looks like, giving of our life, you, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. You know, he doesn't want us to be uh, giving away of our life out of grumpiness or fear or obligation. He wants it to be because, oh, Lord, I know you, and I'm knowing you, and I'm walking with you, and I just want to surrender all my life over to you. The third thing that we, we want to look at from Jesus here today, we intentionally follow Christ alone. So notice in this challenge, it was, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And again, we're, we're, we're hearing here today, we're looking at it. I love that our uh, drama department is helping us just visually see it's the cross and it's the empty tomb. It's the dying to self and it's the power of the resurrection uh, at work in our lives. And so we intentionally follow him alone. And that means that it's obedience to his will. It, it, it's walking in the power of his Holy Spirit. It's unselfish service to others. 
I love this quote from Livingston, a, a missionary from years past in Africa. And, uh, you, you know, this was at a time before telephones. It was in a time where they would write letters for correspondence from England to Africa, you know, back and forth here. So we get some letters from the folks back home, and, and they write to Livingston, hey, we, we want to send some men to you. Is there a good road that they can travel on? Now, he's working. I'm sure he's tired. I'm sure he's desperate for help. But Livingston writes back, and he says, if the men you want to send need a good road, don't send them. I want men who are willing to come if there's no road at all. Those are the men whose hearts are fully surrendered to the Lord. Amen? You, you know, such a picture of, Lord, I'm going to follow you and you alone, and then everything else comes second to that. The founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, uh, he was asked about the great ministry success that had happened through the Salvation Army and, and through, uh, through tears. Uh, he said, I tell you, God had all of me there was to have. From the day I got the poor on my heart and had a vision for what Christ could do, I made up my mind that God would have all of me, that God would have all of William Booth. And the rest, as they say, is history. A heart fully surrendered to the Lord. All right, number four. Now we're doing, we're, we're going to wrap up. We got two, two left here. Number four, number five. Jesus said to follow me, to walk with me, uh, is that we carry a fervent love for people. So we're back to love. Supreme love for him. Now we're talking about a fervent love for people. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And uh, there, there were missionaries uh, looking to reach out to a tribe, and as they were learning the language, this tribe had no word for love. I mean, come on, John 3.16, gospel 101, 101, for God so loved the world. You know, and they're saying, how do we share the gospel? They don't have a word for love. And they said, well, what we'll have to do is we will have to act out love. Ah, they were on to something. We'll have to act it out and show it to them. And when, we, when they see it, we'll be able to say, that's love, that's love, that's love, until they begin to get this picture for something that they had no word for. Uh, and we need his love to do this because, can we just have a moment? Some people make it hard to love them. <laughs> Come on, can somebody say amen? amen. Oh, my goodness. But here, here's the thing. He, he didn't say in this verse in John that if, if you are, you know, people will know that you are mine if you try really hard and somehow figure out how to be nice and loving. No, he, he, we have him live in our heart and then that love pours out of us. Now, yes, he, he changes the way we live and the way we think. He changes our heart and he works things out of our lives. But the bottom line is we're called to live and operate out of his love. It's his love that will compel us to do those mission impossible things that he's called us to do. I want to share with you two instances from my life that happened within these last two weeks. One of them, I did not walk in love. The other one, I did walk in love. So first I'll tell you about the one where I did not walk in love. I was driving my mom down the road. She's 81, a little bit on the frail side. How many know just no matter what, don't mess with mama, right? 
So I'm driving down the road, and there's a kind of SUV-ish kind of a vehicle, and, and there's a slow car in front of me. So we're driving kind of slow. And this car comes right up on my bumper to the point where all I can see is their car right behind me, kind of violently, like where I kind of braced, you know? And then they backed off, and then they pulled up again and did that. And then they were just doing that back and forth for what seemed like an hour, but it was probably just a couple of seconds. So the first thing I thought was, no point in getting upset. I'll just pull over, put my blinker on, and let them pass. But church, I just want to be honest, I just want to come clean. I snapped. When I pulled that blinker over, I said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be looking out my window. I rolled my window down, and on the top of my lungs, I yelled at them, what the heck is your problem? <laughs> and I know that sounds kind of uh, like, golly, Pastor Jim, really? <laughs> But listen, in, in all seriousness, I want to tell you, there was fury in my heart that I had not felt in many, many years, to the point where I felt so convicted for the whole rest of the day. I was really like, God, I'm really sorry. And then I shared it with my family, and I said, yeah, I had this situation today, and, uh, and, and I, this is after, you know, kind of pondering. I said, I don't know if it's good news or bad news. And they were like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, when I pulled over, you know, I snapped and I screamed, what the heck is your problem? That's the bad news. I said, but maybe the good news is when I snapped, I only said, what the heck is your problem? <laughs> and I, I used my blinker when I pulled over. I didn't drive them off the road. I didn't chase them for my, like all these things that you hear about crazy stuff that goes on. Bottom line is in that moment, that, 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 was, that was carnality in me trying to reconcile what was going on. Now, a little, a little bit different of something that could have been potentially dangerous. Coming out of the Wawa with uh, some water bottles uh, for mom, uh, uh, just at, right, right over by her house. So I got out the door and I saw a guy, uh, maybe right where you are, bro, just uh, about there. And I just saw I'll hold the door. And I just kind of had a little, little smile. And as I'm walking up, he sees me and his eyebrows go down. He's not happy that I'm, and he looked at me, he goes, hey man, you're not going to hold that door for me. Just like that, you know, and, and I just smiled and said, yeah, it's okay. And so he stopped in front of the door, like he had this dilemma, like, I will not let this guy be nice to me. I will not let this guy serve me. And so he's looking, and he opened the other door, looking at me, and went through the other door, you know. I'm like, you told me, you know. But, but here's the thing, you know, I, I, I had been praying and worshiping and, and just kind of singing to the Lord. And, and, you know, in that moment, it wasn't, you know, my halo just got a little brighter and spiritual gym. No, the love of God poured out of me, and I found myself just saying, Lord, that guy's hurting. There's something going on in his life. Make him whole. Touch him, Lord. Save him. Work in his life. Two totally different reactions from the same guy. By the way, in the early one, you might say, I'm not impressed. Trust me, if you knew me a couple of years ago, a bunch of years ago, you'd be impressed. I, I'm not there yet, but, but I'm growing and moving forward. My, my whole point is this. It is the love of God pouring out of us. How do we keep that fountain of love pouring through our lives? got to know him. It's not a, I know him because I met him back at a cross 20 years ago. It's I know him because I walk with him throughout each day. Can you say amen? amen? We need to make sure that our love for him forges a love for others that will compel us to lay our lives down for them. That's what will change the world, and that's what will make hell shake.
when we decide that because of God's love in our lives, we're not going to be those. Listen, we can't let our Christianity degenerate into a mission to make our lives comfortable. That, that, was, that deserved a better amen, so I'm going to say that again. We can't let our Christianity degenerate into a mission to make our own lives more comfortable. <laughs> there was a girl who wanted to take some first aid classes, and for some reason I identified in, in, in this girl's dilemma um, in, in what I'm going to explain to you. So she took some first aid classes, and she, she wasn't done with them. She came back one day and said, uh, it works, it works, this stuff works, it really works. You know, so the students and, and the teacher of the class were, were curious, what do you mean, what happened, tell us. Well, the other day it was raining, and there was a car in front of me that veered off the road. It actually turned over a couple of times and banged into a tree. Nobody else was around, so I pulled over. And I went by the car, and inside there's this man, and, and he's really having trouble breathing now, and he's bleeding. And I sat down on the ground and put my head between my legs, and I didn't faint. <laughs> it works, it works, it works. And that poor teacher is going, that, that's not what I wanted you to take away from the first aid class. And the reason why I identify is that's probably exactly what I would do. I've had times where I've been in the car with Pastor Tom, former firefighter, and when there's an accident, you know, I'll pull over and I'll hold on to the wheel and I'll start praying. It's what I do. It's what I can do. He's out of the car over in, in the midst, you know, and there's even times where, you know, I'm sure he'd be like, no, Jim, get back in the car because he doesn't need two people to work on. He just wants to work on the one that he's trying to help, right? But, but here's, here's the point, right? We all see the point from this. The, the idea of taking the first aid classes that wasn't to make her life comfortable, is so that she could lay her life down and help somebody else. Amen. You, you know, uh, from the jungles of Vietnam during the, the war era, there was a young girl who developed a blood disease. And uh, if she didn't get a blood transfusion, she was, she was probably going to die. And so her parents went to her little brother and said, your sister needs a blood transfusion. It's really serious. Um, we need you to be willing to give her blood. Would you do it? And, and he said, well, I got to think about it. And he literally, this little guy went off and he took a walk and he came back and he, and he said, uh, said, I'll do it. I'll give her, I'll give her the blood. And um, so, you know, the doctor came in, they're doing the transfusion and tears are just pouring down the boy's face as he's looking at, at his sister and it's all said and done and they get everything all finished and they said, okay, we're done. And the boy is astonished. He's confused. He, he thought, I thought if I gave her my, my blood that my life would end. And so he was counting the cost, and he went back, and this little guy was willing to lay his life down for his sister. Amen. Man, one person, I'm learning things to make my own life comfortable. The other person saying, a life really well lived is as I give it away and lay it down for others. That's what the Lord is calling us to do. And it all pours out of his love. His love is the starting point. Amen? Amen. All right, last, last point that we'll look at here is Jesus said, uh, we're to hold to and continually live out his word. John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And hey, more than ever, we need to be anchored in the word of God. Too much in our culture is trying to shape our worldview, philosophy of life, our theology, our, our history, our government, our family, our community, in the workplace, all of our culture. There's so much that's trying to shape it. We need to be anchored in the word. And I'm just full of stories today. I got another one. Uh, an army chaplain. This is a true story. He was kneeling beside a wounded soldier on the battlefield. 
And the chaplain asked the wounded soldier if he wanted him to read something from the Bible to him. And the boy, uh, it was pretty apparent that he was near death. He replied, I'd rather have a drink of water. I'm thirsty. And so the chaplain got the water and gave him a drink. Then the young soldier said, I'm so cold. And so the chaplain took his coat off and wrapped it around the dying boy. And then the soldier looked at him for a moment. And then he said, if there's something in that book that makes you do these things, then yeah, please go ahead and read it to me. Amen? Something in that book that's causing you to live this way where my life's almost over and you're here you are giving me a drink, wrapping me up so I wouldn't be cold, so I'm not alone, and of course giving me opportunity to meet your Savior. You know, there's just a, such a sense in my heart right now that, that there are some in this room that you're really in the valley of decision. You're really, you're feeling the Lord tugging on your heart. Just, just in my gut, just feel that so strongly. Just, just know that that's what's happening. And it takes that step of faith. He says, lose your life to find it. Surrender to find freedom like you've never known. Abandon your self-will to find a purpose that you'll never regret. That's the step of faith, to trust him with our lives. I'm going to lead a, a simple prayer here now, and I just want to invite you, whether you're watching online. By the way, watching online, I spoke about this card. There is a digital connect card that you can fill out at graceandpeace.org. We want to make sure that we get to connect with you as well, help you grow with the Lord if you're responding to him today. So uh, make sure that you do that as well. I'm going to just lead in a prayer. And if there's anything in your, your heart that's saying, yep, this is me, just say, Lord, this is me. I agree. I, 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 yep, I'm, I'm on board. I confess you as Lord. Just, just quietly in your own voice before the Lord, you respond however you see right. I want to lead in a prayer of salvation to invite Christ to be Lord of our lives for whoever is going to do that today for the first time. And then after that, I want to pray for those that would be saying, Lord, I'm going all in for you as I leave this place today. So that, uh, a prayer to invite Christ in our hearts. Let me use those, uh, those points that are from the book of Romans in the Bible that I read earlier in, in the note sheet. So Lord God, we do recognize and acknowledge that as human beings, we are sinful, that we are blind and naked before a holy God. Lord, we also realize that any effort of good works, any effort to try to save ourselves won't work. We recognize that we can't save ourselves. But we are so grateful that in your word you said in the fullness of time you sent your son Jesus. And Jesus, we do believe that you are the son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sin and for the sin of the world. And now, Jesus, we confess you as our only Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for hearing. I thank you for wiping away sin. I thank you for making us brand new as we would say yes to Jesus. And Father, around this room here today, 
Come on, how many would say, Lord, I'm all in. Lord, I'm, I'm coming back to you for anyone who would say, man, there's more to knowing Jesus. There's more to living my life to know him. And here today, the best I know how, the best I understand, I'm saying, Lord, I'm all yours. So Lord, all around this room watching online where we are saying yes to you, afresh and anew here today, thank you for hearing us. Lord, thank you for touching and working in our lives. Thank you that as we leave this place, we leave uh, with fresh resolve to know you more and more. Let it be, Lord, for every day that we're alive, we're pursuing you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless you, Lord.